When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is the Kolb Strong Power Podcast with your host, Jimmy Kolb. It is my pleasure to share my knowledge here with you on all things powerlifting, equipped lifting, and competing. Each week, I'll be answering your questions, sharing my training tips, with heavy emphasis on bench pressing. All right, and we are back. Welcome, everybody, to episode five of my Power Podcast. Today's topic of conversation is bench shirts, everybody's favorite. Bench shirts 101, if you will. And we're going to talk types of shirts, what to look for, how to size them, how to alter them, the steps, how to break them in, and in my opinion, uh, what you should stay away from. So having said that, we're just going to hop right in, and we're, the first topic is going to be the types of shirts. And nowadays, I have three types of shirts that I need to mention. I wish I didn't have to do that, but I will. The first type of shirt, less common these days, very popular back in the early 2000s, late 90s, were the denims, the legendary denim bench shirts. Uh, they are made of blue jean material. If you're not familiar with what denim is, I had a two-ply Karen Klein. Uh, she was working out of, I believe it was Zanesville, Ohio, and she custom-made her own bench shirts, and they were awesome, very awesome cut denim shirts. That was my first 700-pound bench press was actually done with one of these. They last a long time. They don't particularly uh, stretch as you would normally think as does a poly. That's more about contorting the material and a lot of pressure on the body. Very extreme shirt. It was actually considered the top of the line shirt. Uh, people would start with polys and actually graduate up to denims. Very comfortable to wear. You can wear them all day. Uh, not so popular anymore. You don't see them very often. They've uh, kind of been pushed out of the way by how advanced the polyesters have gotten, but you will see them from time to time. The next type is the most popular, most well-known. Those are the polyester shirts, the poly shirts, uh, made of a not stretch uh, poly material. Um, you know, anything will stretch under enough pressure, and that's the general idea with these shirts, is to make a material stretch that isn't meant to be stretched. That's where you get all the power from. Okay, uh, they come in multiply, single ply, closed back, open back, any and all combinations, not grid stitched, grid stitched, uh, legal in pretty much every federation, except for if obviously you're in a raw only federation. Okay, and then the last one I need to mention at least are the the band shirts, the rubber shirts as I like to call them. I know everybody knows my opinion on these, I will not hang around this topic too much, but they are made of wrap material uh, sewn into what looks like a bench shirt, and they are legal in some federations. Anyway, what do you need to look for when you are buying, let's say, your first bench press shirt? Well, the most important thing is, what federations do you plan on lifting in? I have lifted in countless federations. I don't know if I can name them all. Anywhere from WNPF, Wabdol, RPS, XBC, to the IPA, UPA, IPF. Uh, I, I can't name them all. I used to have about 10 different membership cards in my wallet at one time when I was younger. I was kind of proud of that. I didn't like to travel. 
I just went to any federation, any meet that was near me that I could drive to in a day or, you know, in a few hours, and I competed. So look at your federation's rules. Uh, IPF, for instance, only allows single-ply closed-back polyesters. That's the only type of bench pressure they allow. Somewhere, if you go to, like, the RPS, they allow different types of gear. They have different divisions, single-ply, multi-ply. But you cannot use rubber shirts in the RPS. Now you go somewhere like... The IPA, again, it's uh, gear based on if you are an amateur or a pro. Amateurs can only use layers up to two, and if you're a pro, you can use any material of layers, uh, no limit, okay? Three-ply, four-ply, whatever. So you got to check your rule book, see what kind of gear your Fed allows, and that will kind of determine uh, what kind of gear you should use. If you are flexible and you were able to move around to different federations, you can have multiple shirts, uh, different layers, different styles, different cuts. But if you want to stay loyal to one or two feds, you do need to check the rule books and make sure you know what they allow. Now that you've checked your rule book and you know what type of bench press shirt you were going to purchase and use, now the next thing you need to do is get the correct size. And this is one of the most difficult things. The, the right size or the wrong size can make or break a shirt. It's one of the most hard things to do. Um, so people ask me, how do you size your shirts? And to be honest with you, I don't get custom shirts. I always tell people to go with the stock shirts. Because for one, they usually have them in stock. Okay, uh, You can talk to somebody over the phone when you call Anderson Powerlifting. You speak with Ken Anderson or Kevin Pittman. They know, you can tell them how big you are, what you weigh, what your height, maybe some general measurements. I'm about this big around at the shoulders. I have such and such size arms. They can give you a pretty good idea of what size stock shirt you should use. Uh, you can't. You do have the option of the custom sizing where you say, hey, I have my bicep measurement at the elbow is this for my left arm, this for my right arm. Here's my chest measurement or circumference. Here's my shoulder circumference. Here's my weight. Here's my height. And they will make you a custom cut bench press shirt. A lot of companies do that. I've had a couple of custom shirts. They were always too big or not the right size in certain areas. It just hasn't worked. So you get your stock shirt and uh, you can go on from there, break it in and see what you need to do to this shirt uh, in terms of alterations go. And with that, now we are on to alterations. What do I do with my shirt? I break it in. It's too big now. I stretched out the chest plate. What do I do next? So you get your shirt. You've broken it in for a few sessions. You know what you can touch with maybe. But now the shirt's lost spring. You've stretched it out too much. You need to get it altered. So you're going to send it back to the manufacturer with a list of alterations that you want done to your shirt. And some of the most common alterations you will find are downsizing the chest plate, shortening the sleeves, or tightening the sleeves. Those are very common when you're getting your shirts altered. You, can, you also have the option of swapping out the stock collar for a more heavy-duty collar. A lot of companies will do that for you as well. So it's based on what you need. If you find that the shirt is too loose in the sleeves, get them tightened. Some companies will do the entire length of the sleeve. You can also request to have just the top half of the sleeve. Maybe it's really tight on the elbow but too loose on the triceps. Get the top half of the sleeve tightened. If the sleeves are just so, so long, you can't get them above your elbows, have them take length off the sleeves. If you're finding you have no pop out of the chest, if you get a weight to touch and you have no spring whatsoever, you got to take that chest plate in. Generally, you can take it in. You can take it in as far as you want. 
uh, safe with uh, about a half inch to an inch. That means they're going to take a quarter off each side of the chest plate, or in the case of the inch, they'll take a half inch off each side, bring that chest plate way in. Now you've got more spring. Uh, speaking on the collars, a lot of times the stock collars tend to be kind of flimsy. They don't last very long. They stretch out very quick. You get a more heavy-duty collar put on there, and now it's going to last a lot longer and give you a lot more spring and power out of that piece of gear. Now, with breaking the shirt in, one of the most common or generally accepted ways of breaking in a new bench press shirt is what's called working down the boards. So you get this brand new shirt, you pull it out of the bag, and you put it on, it's extremely tight. What you're going to do is you're going to take a weight out that you know you can handle and come down to, let's say, a three board, possibly a four board if you're a very tall or uh, long-limbed individual. You start bringing the weight down to that board to try and get the shirt to open up at that level, trying to stretch it out a little bit. And then, you know, the same session, possibly the next session in that shirt, you do the same thing, and then you take a board away. Now you're trying to touch a lower board, a two board. Uh, again, you're trying to get that shirt to open. You're trying to get it to stretch and open up. Uh, and eventually you work down to a one board. Maybe if you're like me, you want to work down to a half board. Then eventually you can get a weight down full range to touch. Uh, so you kind of know what you can touch with, what you could bench press out of meat. Uh, that's a generally the, the, the easiest way to explain how to break in one of these shirts. Again, if you've listened to my podcast before, I am a fan of the no board or the invisible board press because I feel using boards too often in training, at least the high-end boards, uh, can alter your groove, kind of teach you how to not bench correctly because you got to learn the groove of the shirt. And you can only do that by doing full range, uh, full range movements or close to full range movements. So that's the best way. I can tell somebody to break in a new shirt. Again, like I had mentioned in my previous podcast, you can add a little bit of water to the chest plate and the shoulder seam to help loosen the material, break it in a little bit faster. That is something I have done very commonly in the past. And finally, the last thing I'm going to talk about is, in my opinion, what I think you should stay away from as an athlete. Um, Not biased, okay? I've used a lot of gear in the past. I've used anything from uh, metal to Inzer. I'm with Titan Products right now through Anderson Powerlifting. Um, I am a sponsored athlete through Anderson Powerlifting, so I use Titan equipment. Uh, but I've used it all. You can name it, I've probably used it. And one of the worst shirts I've ever used in my entire career was the Inzer SDP. Uh, again, now I was never an, a sponsored athlete with Inzer. So when I got this shirt, I was looking at the website. as a, This is when I was younger. This is when I was a teenager, 19, 20 years old, okay? I was looking at the website, and I was just dumbfounded by the fact that they advertise uh, it never loses... Uh, elasticity, it has memory, you can use it for countless workouts, countless meets. This sounded like a dream. Um, I got the thing, had a terrible experience with it. I used it for one workout, it was good. By the next workout, the thing had completely stretched out. So everybody knows those shirts stretch out very, very quick. It's such a bogus claim to say that they'd never stretch out and they retain their shape and it has the material has memory. That's, that's not true at all. Um, I hear it all the time. I was speaking with the owner of a gym in uh, Ohio, and they will actually order one of those shirts for one of their 123-pound athletes. After he uses it and stretches it out, they pass it up to the next higher weight class. He stretches it out, they move up to the next weight class, and the next weight class, all the way up to super heavyweights, because material, that material just keeps going, and they're not trying to spend hundreds and maybe even a couple thousand dollars on one shirt. So they want to use that shirt for as many athletes as they possibly can. So um, if you are not a sponsored athlete with 
Enzer. I don't feel like it's a very wise shirt to um, invest in because you're going to have to send that thing back so many times, paying out of pocket, not just for the shipping, but the alterations themselves, how to get it sized right, stretch it out, take so much out of the chest and then the shoulders and do this and all this weird stuff. So in my opinion, that's the only shirt that I would really stay away from if you value your money. Again, if you're a sponsored athlete through Enzer, that's a little bit of a different story because a lot of that is not going to come out of your pocket. So that is my basics, uh, kind of 101 on bench press shirts. Some information I have for you, some basic information on uh, what types of shirts there are, what to look for, how to break them in, how to size them, and then, like I said, in my opinion, what to stay away from. That is all I have for you today. So uh, if you could, please subscribe to the podcast and share with your fellow lifters. Uh, Please follow me on Instagram at Colbstrong for more content. And if you could check out the show notes uh, for links so you can ask me questions that you would like to be featured on future shows. You will also find a link to Patreon, which is my online community, where I share even more content that you won't find anywhere else. So uh, you all, please, as always... You have a fantastic day.